I'm Liz Shannon Miller at Lizlet on the Twitters. And I'm Ben Travers at Ben T. Travers on the Twitters. Boy, you sound happy about that. I'm very cheery this morning, Liz. It's been a great day. What's been so great about it? Um, well, now I lost it. <laughs> now, e- now everything is the worst. Yeah, everything is awful again. I'm sorry. I mean, everything's over. There were so many finales last night. I mean, what are we going to watch on TV all of a sudden? All the other TV we didn't watch because we were watching those things. Yeah, but that's not as fun. It is true. That is definitely true. But yeah, last night was a huge night, of course, for Game of Thrones, Silicon Valley, Veep. Um, and I think from the critical consensus seems to be outstanding across the board. Yeah. Well, that was pretty good. Yeah. Did you actually watch Game of Thrones? Of course I did, Liz. I'm a professional television critic. <laughs> I watched it live starting at 6 p.m. all the way through to the end. And, I mean, there was a gradual decrease in quality as we went, but it was pretty good. There we go. And, that, by the way, friends, that is an actual rave review from Ben Travers when it comes, to Game, of Thrones, when it comes to Game of Thrones. But we're kind of, the, the kind of the inspiration for, for our conversation today comes from something that happened not last night, but a week ago. Uh, because we were surprised, as I'm sure you all were, by the fact that Showtime's Penny Dreadful had not just a season finale last Sunday, but a series finale. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the like the crux of what what's about to unfold, which I imagine is going to just go bananas. I feel like this conversation is going to blow up a little bit, and I'm I'm going to try to contain it. I know Liz will be better at it than I am, but the crux I feel is, I felt betrayed by this. I felt very upset by the fact that they did this because they took Eva Green away from me, and I don't want that. That that um, is a fair problem. But Liz seems to have positive feelings, or at least is stimulated enough by the process, by the decision that they made, right. uh, to have some sort of positive outcome or outlook after it. Well, let me let's let's talk quickly through what happened specifically, because uh, without without going into spoilers too much, and all, without also, but but also making. Did you see it? I have not seen it. I didn't think so. Okay, I wasn't sure. Yeah. I didn't know. Yeah. I mean, I know you're not the. You're not like I need to catch up. I need to right. catch yeah. up. I mean, I need to start because there are a lot of people out there, I suspect, like me, who have not actually watched Penny Dreadful. Oh yeah, no, it's it's uh, the the fan base is fervent. They had pretty good ratings. Like it, it was fine, but no, it's not like a. I mean, it's not Game of Thrones. Yeah. Um. So but no, like yeah, basically the end of the episode was a surprise. Like they 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 geared up all season for this battle between you know our protagonists and basically Dracula. Um, Dracula had taken kind of control of, of Vanessa, which is Eva Green's character, and then without getting any spoilery other than that, basically what happened was that the episode played out, there was a tragic instance towards the end, and as the episode came to an end, the season three finale, the letter, the words, the end, came up across the screen, just like they do at you know like popular films, or more appropriately, since this is Penny Dreadful, they do at the end of a novel, mm-hmm. um, and then you were left wondering... Is that over? Like, what do you mean, the end? Is that the end? Of, they'd never done that before. So what does that mean? And then we found out the next day, series finale. And I think that's the really key thing is because I was watching the alert, the news alerts come in about the finale. And first it was, whoa, Penny Dreadful just did a major crazy tragic thing. Can, can, it, can it go on beyond this? And then there was a good 12-hour period where people were genuinely left wondering, is this the season finale or the series finale? And then the next morning, Showtime confirmed that, and Showtime and John Logan confirmed that this was, in fact, the ending. And so the basic thing I find fascinating about this is the fact that nobody, 
without nobody had any expectations that this would be the series finale. And I find myself really intrigued by what that adds to the fact that people were caught off guard, people were surprised. It is the kind of viewing experience that I feel like we don't get that much anymore. It's kind of a rarity. Well, I, I don't think anything like this has ever been done. Like, I, I think there's a comparison here that we're going to get into between a show being canceled and people being surprised that that's the end, like that's the last time they're going to be able to watch it. Uh, but a show knowing that it's over, the whole season, and Logan said he knew it since mid-season two that this was going to be the end. This was how the show was going to end. The fact that they decided to do that and then they did not publicize it as the end, they did not let anybody know it was the end, they didn't even hint that this was going to be a series finale, I don't think that's been done before. And I mean, it, that's something. Like, that is something. I just feel like, as a fan, it doesn't do us service. It doesn't do us a lot of good to not know. Now, let me play therapist here. When, when you don't know that something is going to be a series finale and it ca- catches you off guard, how does that make you feel? Why does that make you feel bad? Because I had no time to prepare for the end. I had no time to to uh, appreciate what was happening in front of me as it was happening. Uh, it's just gone. It's over. It's a, it's an entirely different experience if I'm watching it, knowing it, or whether I if I don't know it. And frankly, there's not, from me as a journalist, from me as somebody who's writing about this, there wasn't time to even properly admire Penny Dreadful before it left the airwaves. Like, I would have been trying to keep up with it more. We would have had a list running. We would have had, like, various ways to honor it before it went out to keep the discussion going or at least build the discussion leading up to the finale because expectations are such an exciting part of television. It's good to get excited about something. It's good to go into a season finale like Game of Thrones and being like, oh, man, this is it. This is the finale. We're all going to get together and watch it. This is so exciting. And there was still that element of it being a season finale, but because Penny Dreadful felt like something to me that could have existed for at least a couple more years, I, there was just nothing like that for this. And that we would it would have been nice to build that up on a personal, emotional level and from a critic standpoint to get the discussion going and, and create that. Well, I think it's kind of telling, though, that we didn't prioritize doing anything around the season finale. Like, for a season finale, like, that, that I mean, just the fact of a season finale should be a pretty big deal. Well, for some shows, yeah. But for other shows, it's not quite as big of a deal. Like, it's just not, I mean, if, you, if you're not expecting it to be the end, if there's not a lot of huge hints, and there, there really wasn't anything going into it that seemed to lead up to what happened. It was a very good ending, and this is the other thing that I, I tried to make clear in the, in the review, the article that we ran afterwards. It was a great episode of television. It was very well made, and it is a great ending for the series. But at the same time, I, I just wasn't prepared for it, and it wasn't like... I felt like I should have been prepared for it after seeing it either. So uh, right. what happened is is justifiable on our end. I don't know if it's justifiable on the other end. I mean, I feel like, well, I mean, the thing, the thing, other thing to note, though, is that you actually, unfortunately, did not have the opportunity to watch it completely unaware of the fact that it was going to be a series finale. No. Um, just by virtue of spoilers and whatnot. Yep, bad people. Not not naming any names internally within IndieWire. Bad people. <laughs> Who were just doing their jobs. Um, <laughs> but the point is, is that, uh, you know, yeah, you, I feel like, and I, I feel like I'd want to hear from people who did genuinely just watch the episode, like, 
not knowing what the hell was going on. Well, I got a lot of feedback after the article. I mean, it, and it was fairly split. Some people are, are obviously so diehard, they're just going to credit a lot of things. And, and some people were able to just appreciate the episode as the episode. Um, but there were also a lot of people who seemed frustrated by the fact that that was the ending, that they didn't know the ending was coming, and that's how it it's just over. It's just taken away from them like that. Right. Um, and, I mean, I, to me, what's interesting about this, too, is, you know, you mentioned how some season finales are big deals in and of themselves. Like, I mean, every Breaking Bad finale was a huge deal because it's Breaking Bad. Um, so to me, it's like, what if last night's episode of Game of Thrones was just over? Like, what if they'd said, yeah, we were going to go on for two more years, and then they're just like, never mind, this is the end of Game of Thrones. You get no more Game of Thrones ever again. Hmm. That's That does not, like, even as somebody who's not a diehard fan of Game of Thrones, very far from it, I would not have been excited about that. Well, and this does tip us over into the into the talking about the realm of cancellation, uh, which is a key issue uh, to bring up in this case, just because, you know, the only difference really, I guess, between a show being full on canceled and a show deciding that it should end is the fact that, you know, there's, you know, the authors have some intention going in. And the even, but even saying that, like there are tons of shows where, uh, that you know, especially bubble shows that kind of floated in the middle class of TV for several years, uh, they would always very deliberately end their season finales with a something that would resemble a happy ending or a satisfactory ending for the show because they didn't honestly know if there was going to be more of the show. Uh, Leverage is actually a really classic example of this. That show is always just on the verge of getting canceled. The fact it made it five seasons is frankly a miracle, but they very deliberately wrapped up as much as they could storyline-wise in the finales and also kind of gave it a nice coda so that you feel it would, it would it'd feel it would feel like a satisfactory ending should the show actually end. Yeah, no, and, and that's, that's the interesting thing about this from a long-term angle. The people who are going to watch Penny Dreadful, you know, in a year or, or pretty much any time by this point, you know, since it's been talked to death, they know that when they get to that last episode of season three they know that's the end of it just like if they're catching up on canceled shows they know it's the end of it and it's a better series and a better season and a better episode for knowing that that's the end like instead of being canceled so that's definitely an advantage i just don't see for those diehard fans who are watching every week and are Mm -hmm. getting excited every week i imagine the heartbreak had to be all the more especially like i mentioned the tragedy in the episode is very hard to get over in and of itself and then having the series just being taken away from you still, I mean, yeah, it's similar to being canceled in the sense that you just, it's just gone and you didn't see it coming and you didn't know that. But in just because it's a better episode doesn't mean it's a good practice to try to simulate or recreate something that nobody wants to happen. Nobody wants to get canceled. Right. I mean, some people do in very specific instances, but nobody wants their show to be canceled. Yeah, it's totally true. And also, another thing about this about this practice uh, is that it kind of makes me ner- it makes me nervous in the same way that the Sopranos finale made me really nervous. Because not because I thought that that was a bad way to end that show. I actually kind of like it, and I like it because it was kind of the it's a kind of ballsy attention getting move that I tend to be attracted to. Just as a person who watches a lot of TV, it is occasionally you know, finds, if occasionally finds certain patterns monotonous. Right, um, right. Yeah, and that's, I mean, I think this is a great point, too. I feel like from a writer's standpoint, it's really exciting that something like this happened. We wouldn't have had a podcast topic this week, Liz, if this hadn't have occurred. We wouldn't have, we would have been talking about something else, and this is a great thing to discuss. Like, it's a great yeah 
opportunity to discuss how TV is being made. So like a very specific portion of it is it's great, especially as somebody who isn't really caught up on Penny Dreadful. Maybe it's easier for you to just step back and see it from an objective standpoint of, okay, this is a really exciting practice that people don't do. What does that mean? How can we talk about it? And from my standpoint as a fan, it's just like, I'm going to bitch and moan about the fact that they took Penny Dreadful away from me. Well, here's, (laughs) here's, here's why I bring up the Sopranos finale. It was, what made me nervous about it was the fact that is, was the fact that, you know, there's all this discussion, all this, all this discussion over it. And like, I remember there was actually, and I remember there was an article where a bunch of other showrunners were interviewed about it. Like, what did you think of the finale? Like, and a lot of them were like, man, that was so awesome. I wish I could do that. And one of those guys was Ronald D. Moore, who at the time was kind of rounding the, uh, heading towards the finish line with Battlestar Galactica. And I remember reading that article and being very, very worried all of a sudden that Ronald D. Moore would see, would be, would be, would be thinking about the Sopranos finale and being like, yeah, that sounds like a good way to end Battlestar. It would not have been a good way to end Battlestar. I am not going to say whether or not the actual way Battlestar ends is good, because that is a fight not worth having, especially with you. Have you, have you watched Battlestar? Uh, I've seen it. I haven't seen the ending yet, and I feel like there's a lot of endings to that for some reason. I mean, there are a couple of really great places to kind of bow out and consider the show over, in my opinion. Like, if, if you stop midway through season three, I think you're in good shape. But, I mean, it's, it's an interesting point in that, you saw you saw the sopranos you liked the idea of it and how it was executed for the sopranos perhaps but you applied it to something very personal to you another fan favorite right and you didn't want them to do that and that's immediately i mean i don't want them to do it to penny dreadful but i definitely don't want them to do it to other shows like again using the example of game of thrones last night if it just ended i mean riots liz riots in the street yeah and frankly it would have been a pretty good ending yeah, and, and honestly, I, that's that was that was going to be my counter argument was that that is not a the perfect ending for that show certainly, but as far as like you know, you know, it certainly it certainly would make a better series finale than last year's season finale. Right. Like, you know, this is far superior than to to Jon Snow bleeding out in the snow. Yeah, and I mean it was I mean it was a fairly happy episode, which is. Somewhat rare. <laughs> You're only saying that because it was of all the murdering of bad people. Yeah, that's what <laughs> I mean. That's as good as you can hope for, I imagine, right? I mean, there's not going to be. I mean, to be fair, yes, on Game of Thrones, that's pretty much. It. I, I did. I did love Bobby Finger's tweet last night where he suggested that the the ending would have been. Oh, what was the song? It was just the most obnoxiously happy song you can imagine playing over the credits so like they cut from the dragon to this and it was it's like yeah of course that would be a happier ending but you're never going to get that it's still game of thrones what happened was still pretty positive like from a from somebody who gets scared watching that show that they're just gonna stab me in the heart every week it was like oh i i I emerged unscathed this actually feels okay Aw, that's good and honestly of all the finales last night so those three on hbo right silicon valley would have been a pretty good series finale. Mm-hmm. It was also somewhat happy, but it also just kind of set themselves up for something to come. And obviously we want more of this. We don't want this to be the end. But if yeah. it was, that would have worked out pretty well. V put itself in a position where it could have easily been a series finale, and it chose to go a completely other way. I think that one would have been the one I was most upset if it did end. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I mean, I don't think there's any of them where I'd like the practice, where I would have liked to be surprised that that was the end of the show. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, no, it's totally fair. Um, I'm curious where you fall on... Let's apply this to, say, True Detective. What if it turns out we never get another season of True Detective? Well, I'll just be sad that we never got to see McConaughey on screen as Russ Cole again, and frankly, Woody Harrelson as Marty Hart. But outside of that, I mean, I don't care. Like, it's, it's an anthology. Those stories are complete. And there's no surprise to them being over because we know every season is going to be the end of that season. It would be, they'd have to reverse it where the surprise would be, oh wait, we're going back to the story that we said was over, which would be what they'd have to do if they bring back Rust Cole and Marty Hart. But, you know, no one's going to complain about having more of a good thing. They are going to complain if they bring back Colin Farrell and the rest of that clan without any helpers. Like, the actors were fine. Anyway, um, so yeah, no, I think that's that's something that your your expectations are set appropriately for every year. Yes. I realize now my question was stupid, but also I liked your response. Right. Liz knew why she asked the question. It doesn't have to be a question that has a, 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 an answer that you can't predict. Yes. It's still fun to answer sometimes. It is kind of the fun of podcasting where sometimes I'm genuinely asking you a question. Sometimes I'm you know setting you up to explain something for well, i mean we're not a video podcast people don't really know we're sitting here at our desks just like we do all day we've got our mic set up which just makes it slightly different but otherwise this is a pretty accurate simulation of what happens every day of the week except usually there's more yelling and throwing things and cursing yeah we try not to throw things there's a lot of glass around here but there yeah, is it happens but it's okay i've got there's one wall we can throw stuff at it's right, good right right um, so, I mean, the only other thing I want to bring up in, co- in connection with this conversation is the fact that, you know, the, the idea of like choosing to end your show, like what that means. And because I've, it's, it's something that you hear a lot about a lot more these days, because especially as, you know, the idea of the pr- real full on cancellation, cancellation becomes less common, like Vinyl, I think, shocked everybody last week. Or HBO shocked everyone with Vinyl last week and actually pulling the plug on season two. Yeah, a lot of a lot of industry folks kind of thought this might be a possibility, but at the same time, because they'd already renewed it, it was just like, what's going on? Yeah. It was a lot like Castle. What are you going to do to Marty? <laughs> right, poor Marty. He'll have another one. I'm sure, I'm sure Martin Scorsese will be fine. He may never recover from this, but, you know. But this speaking of speaking of unexpected series finales, yeah, I, I didn't see. Canceled. Yeah, we didn't see. We didn't see vinyl. But yeah, but um, this uh, the reason I bring stuff. I was interviewing the uh, creators of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia a while back. By a while back, I mean like a couple weeks ago. It's a long time. Was it? Was it actually just last week? It might have just been last week. Oh, good lord! Time is a flat circle. Point is. Um, point is I was interviewing them and asking them questions you know one of the questions I asked was so you're you're going to go to 13 seasons at least like you know is that daunting is that you know you know do you ever wonder about ending and what they cut what they said a lot of different they had a lot of different responses to it they're always like you know they seem they seem to still be having fun and I think that's a big factor for them like as long as they're still enjoying the work but at the the other thing they mentioned was that I mean they've been working together they've been working together with the same with largely the same crew for twelve years now, and there's a real sense be- of, of, from them of well if we if we decided to stop doing this show for whatever reason we put a hundred people out of work right and these are people that they've been working with day in day out for years, and I feel like that's something a lot of creators 
you know, like we, it's something to bring up when you're talking about ending a show is that, you know, there's a lofty high-minded goal that, you know, creators should be like, you know, should know the right time to end your show and to, you know, not let it get dragged on too long. Like Showtime's famous for letting shows drag on too long uh, to some degree. And yet, you know, it's important to remember that when a creator chooses to end a show, it might be for creative reasons. It might be because of network pressures. Certainly, the fact that Penny Dreadful never had, never got, never got the awards recognition it deserved, played played a factor in the fact that Showtime didn't fight too hard when John Logan said no more. However, that conversation went down because, of course, we're never going to get the full proper details. Yeah, and he's also John Logan, so he yeah. gets to he gets to say kind of whatever he wants. Yeah. Point is, when a show ends, people lose jobs. And creators sometimes take that really seriously, and sometimes they don't. Well, yeah, and, I, and but again, this well, comes I, no, back to... I'm sure they all take it seriously, but it's sometimes, sometimes they make the hard call. Yeah, and this comes back to a couple of factors. One, again, if you don't know, you're losing your job. If you're living in limbo because the show is living in limbo, that makes it a lot tougher than if you know the creator told the crew, hey, the show's over after season four, prepare yourself. Like, you can, we'll start figuring out how to get more work from there on. Like it's a constantly influx kind of career anyway. But what's interesting about It's Always Sunny and bringing up a show like that, I mean, it's slightly, it has serialized moments to it. It has serialized aspects to it. But it's also a comedy that's not trying to answer any big questions by the end of it. If you're talking about a serialized drama that's really trying to wrap stuff up, that's when the pressure starts to kick in, like with the Showtime shows, where you need to end it at a certain point. You don't want to go on too long. You don't want to overstay your welcome. And, of course, since all things in my world circle back to the leftovers, Lindelof is a great example of this. Because of what happened with Lost, because of the pressure that was put on him to extend that thing beyond what he wanted to do it, now he's very adamant about ending shows at a specific time. He Mm. doesn't want them to last longer than their capacity. He's very happy that The Leftovers is ending after season three. It's the way it's constructed, and he knows that going in. And yet at the same time, he's not one of those people who has all of the answers and knows exactly where something is going to go when he starts writing it and you know you hear that all the time as well when you're at when we're at the tcas every question of the group of any kind of story like that is how long do you have planned out do you have an ending you know where this is going okay great and linda lost response to that is okay great i'm glad you do but maybe you should be worrying about episodes one two and three because otherwise you're never going to get to season four and it's a great point it's it's a tough balance to to procure and, and to hold on to especially in the context of this but what it all boils down to, for me, as a fan, is knowing. Like, I want to know. If the le- if the leftovers ended, Liz, without me knowing it was over, imagine the catastrophe that oh. would be this office. So many things would be broken. I'd even forget about the glass. I'd just chuck it right through. Yeah. So, I, I don't know. It's, it's, it's an interesting discussion. I very much respect what Logan decided to do because he's such a masterful writer. He's a great storyteller. He always has motive and purpose behind that, and he crafted a great episode. Uh, it's just to me, I, I hope that the wrong shows don't emulate this kind of thing in the future. Fair point. Also, by the way, I'm very curious. How many minutes in did it take you to bring up the leftovers? Uh, we're at 23, so I mean, longer than usual. Longer than usual? No, like, it's 20 totally minutes ch- longer than usual. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Hell, 23 minutes longer yeah. than usual. Usually it's, it's you know, uh, my, I'm Ben Travers at Ben T. Travers on Twitter. I hope you're watching the leftovers. <laughs> What is your current count of people you've converted to the leftovers? Uh, like he's literally going. He he literally has a physical list that he keeps in a drawer that he's opening up right now. 
digging around. Let's see here, I've got one, two. Note that this list is inaccurate because it includes me and I'm not on the list. 12, I've got 12. Okay. That, that, that we expect that list to... I still feel like I'm forgetting somebody though, like at least one or two. <laughs> but yes. Uh, and I've had people like Liz who won't give me credit for getting them hooked and whatever. You can't, I can't get you cr give you credit for getting me hooked because we started watching it at the same time. You would have stopped. No, I wouldn't have. You would have given up. <laughs> I, Ben, would, would I ever give up on something that a former doctor from Doctor Who was in? Yep. Name one thing I've given up on. I don't know. You don't understand how much I love Zoo? Doctor Who. Have you given up on Zoo yet? So, Ben, <laughs> what was the best thing you watched last week? I <laughs> knew that was going to be your next thing. That's so wrong. Uh, the best thing I watched last week was the Silicon Valley finale. Ooh. Um, I was very happy with the way that ended in the sense that it did something that it had never done before. It was very exciting, very progressive. As we mentioned, it's somewhat happy. Um, but really, it sets up season four in a beautiful way. They just honed everything down to the, to the specifics, to the right people, trimming the fat. I, I don't know. It's, it's one of those things. I'm not going to spoil it, but... I was very glad to see the decision they made after a, a, a very good season. And they set themselves up, too, much like Veep, to expand in a different way, in an easier way. And they chose the harder route. And I respect the hell out of that. So that's my pick. It's a good pick. What's your pick, Liz? Um, well, this weekend, uh, it's Monday morning as we record this. And as you hopefully listen to it slightly later today. But so um, all weekend, I've been in Denver uh, for Series Fest, which is the second. This is the second year for this really interesting festival celebrating uh, television, both independent and otherwise. And this year, this year I really tried to see as many screenings of the independent pilots submitted for in the competition uh, as possible. And there were some great ones. Like I legitimately had a great time just watching shows made on on the made on the cheap, made for favors and through favors and friends and whatever sort of kickstarted funding you could get. Um, and one really stood out, and it's one uh, I'll be writing about more later today, because if I have time, hopefully. But uh, there's a pilot called Truth Slash Fiction, which, if based on the reaction at that at that audience, it based on the reaction at the festival, based on the fact that they really seem to have a great setup in mind, like the story. It's a comedy about a young woman who kind of falls into the world of what is pretty pretty implicitly implied one direction slash fiction um and there's it's but it's it it captures a teenage voice beautifully like it's so authentically real in that sense and it also has a lot of fun with like the with like the more fantasy elements of you know the, the fiction being written about these boy band members and it actually kind of you know it it does a nice job. It doesn't stigmatize any of this. It doesn't stigmatize the sexuality aspect at all. And it's beautifully made. And when, you know, hearing the creators talk about how they pulled it off, like, you know, they like, for example, like they have like the big glamour, you know, music video featuring the boy band that they shot and wrote all the songs for and everything. And there's like a shot with them in a private plane. And you're thinking, you're watching, I think to yourself, how, how did they get a private plane? Like, that's not cheap. And then the guy was like, I had a client, you know, he managed to get a client to let, let him borrow a private jet for an hour for free. And like, you know, like that's sort of like, it looks amazing. It looks like they spent millions of dollars on it and nice. they pulled it off. So it made me really excited about independent television and it made me really excited about this particular pilot. So that's my answer. That's a great pick. 
Yeah. Great pick. I'm, I'm really good at picking things that you can't watch. <laughs> it's one of my talents. But uh, it is the, the trailer's online, and hopefully they have plans for it soon. Because it's also just like a really good pilot. Right. Like it actually really sets up narrative to come. Right. No, that's perfect. That's, yep. That sounds like exactly what you're looking for. Yeah. What's the next thing you're looking forward to, Ben? Uh, well, Liz, if you're good at picking things that people can't watch, I'm great at picking things people don't care about. Sure. Um, really, the next thing I'm excited to see is is the Chicago Cubs start winning again. Um, <laughs> if you guys could get back onto the winning bandwagon, that would be wonderful. Um, but since we are probably supposed to be talking about TV on this podcast, and the Cubs technically are usually watched on television, but whatever, they're not a scripted show, I'm going to say that I'm looking forward to seeing the rest of the night of. Um, huh? I started watching it. I started watching it last night after Game of Thrones before Veep because I'd already seen this, the Silicon Valley finale ahead of time. So I had this like awkward half hour to kill and I was like, well, it's on here. I keep seeing ads. I should get started. It's great. Like it's, it hooks you right in. It's a very well told story. Uh, I love Steven Zalian. Um, I, I'm excited to see the rest of it. So uh, after that, that doesn't come out until July or it starts coming out July 10th. The, yeah. the first episode is available on HBO Go and HBO Now for screening purposes. Um, but yeah, it's, it's going to be a, a dark, hard story, but it seems like it's going to be worth it. Yeah. I've, I've seen the full first, uh, part. So the first hour and a half, I believe is the length. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's, I can confirm that if you go, if you go even a little bit further, it's really extraordinary, especially because, uh, if I recall correctly, you really don't get the way it's such a slow build and you don't get to John Turturro's character until pretty late in the in the first episode and but when you get to him it's so fun he's wonderful he's playing this great great eccentric character the only but not in like a John Turturro in Transformers sort of way but in like a John Turturro being peak John Turturro sort of way it's really it's really nuanced and really exciting the funny thing about that show, though, I find is that it kind of exists in that one of my favorite kind of weird um, periods of where cell phones exist and are used and are, you know, in our pockets. But everything, everything in a police station is paperwork and like, you know, files and drawers. Like, I guess it's still a thing, but it, it feels it feels very much like kind of out of place, like uh, in terms of time and time period. Like when does this when does this show actually take place? I can't figure it out. 2014. It says it at the beginning. Yes, it says that. <laughs> but do police stations really? St- this is how often I go to police stations. Apparently. Well, that's good, Liz. We'd prefer that you don't just end up there at the end of a night. It's probably for the best. But the no, night of, perhaps. Exactly. Um, but no, yeah. I mean, it's it it definitely has a distinct feel to it, and because it's in New York, it has it has a lot of. Uh, New York flair. Yeah, but, and uh, and Riz Ahmed is amazing. Right. Yeah. Uh, he's. I, I got to interview him at Tribeca, and I'm looking forward to running that interview soon because nice. he was fun to talk to. Well, what are you looking forward to, though, Liz? I, I'm looking forward to this mostly out of like quasi guilt because I had. I feel like you and I both kind of have a guilt complex about Sundance at this point, like Sundance TV. Oh. Uh, yeah. Because. Well, it's because I feel like we're both kind. Of, we, we like they, they're always turning out something, putting out something interesting, and I always want to check it out, and then it kind of falls off my radar. Uh, but I really do want to at least watch the first episode of The A Word, yeah. uh, which is their upcoming drama, again starring Christopher Eccleston. Which will probably give up after a couple episodes, though. I will not give up on Christopher Eccleston. How dare you? We'll see. How dare you? We'll see. Okay. 
I, I'm offended. I can tell. I'm not going to back down, though. <laughs> I probably... I'm keeping your name on that list. <laughs> Jerk. Um, yeah, so... Uh, <laughs> yes, but the A word, which um, Chris Rappleson does not play a huge role in. So if I do give up, that's why. Sure. Uh, but it's, an, it's a, a, a family drama about autism, uh, and I think that's an issue that doesn't get explored enough lately, and I'd like to see how this particular show goes about it, and the pedigree seems good, so I'm looking forward to checking that out. Yeah, it looks like a great show. I, I mean, that's the thing with Sundance TV. They put out a lot of great content. It's always stuff that you really want to set aside the time to appreciate because it's not really for the passive viewer. It's, mm-hmm. it's very rarely just kind of just kind of blow off or secondary or it's on this monitor while I'm doing work kind of TV. It's stuff you want to sit down and watch like you'd watch a movie. Right. Um, so yeah, it's but uh, it looks good. It, it's it's one that we've been counting down for a bit. Yeah. So hopefully I'll get to ch- check that out soon. And hopefully you'll finish it. Oh my god, you're the worst human being. I am. Um, but you occasionally write some decent things and the, you write plenty of decent things, but even good things sometimes yeah. once in a while. Yeah. Look, if you haven't read Ben's leftovers, oral history of the karaoke scene, you are denying yourself one of life's greatest pleasures. I mean, they're pretty good storytellers. They're, they're wonderful. He has Damon Lindelof, Mimi Leader, and Justin Thoreau talking about the making of the karaoke scene and why Justin Thoreau was so, so upset over it. Yeah, his, his level of uncomfortability is quite the treat to witness. Yes. Um, but obviously, Hurt worked, played well into it. Anyway, if you like reading that, make sure you go to IndieWire.com. Exactly. Um, there's, it's populated much more by great things that Liz is writing. Uh, so it really makes you worth a trip. Once you see the karaoke piece, if you click on anything else, you're probably going to find something really, really good uh, by Liz Miller. But um, but yeah, if you're on there, you can also scroll over to the podcast page. Yeah. Check out our, our partners in crime, uh, Ann Thompson and Eric Cohn, doing screen talk, talking yeah. movies, digging into it. Probably not talking about Independence Day Resurgence, one of the worst films I've ever seen. You but saw it. I did. It's terrible. But they are going to talk about movies that you do want to see or at least need to know about. Whereas with Independence Day, you knew about it, you avoided it, you were smarter than me. Yeah. I, I'm glad that you went and saw it. I'm glad one of us did. David Ehrlich's review of that is so spot on. IndieWire film critic David Ehrlich. So spot on. Okay, good. The headline itself, just the, the will make you wish. I'm going to butcher I think this. it's like make you it confirms that blockbusters are worse than they used to be or no, something. No, no, no. It, it will make you wish humanity would just give up. So like instead <laughs> of fighting back against the alien, we should just, yes. And that's exactly how you feel walking out of that movie. But anyway. Good Lord. Listen to Screen Talk. They're going to tell you about good movies to see so you don't have to be dumb like me and wander into Independence Day. Um, and you can also, there's also the Emmys uh, podcast uh, running with Screen Talk as well uh, with our own Michael Schneider joining Ann and Eric. Uh, so that's a fun time. Absolutely. Yeah, who knows? Maybe even Liz and I will come on as guests if you really want to track us and just be completists with the Liz Miller, Ben Travers podcast canon. Yes, the empire, so to speak. The, the, the empire, yes. The lizard, the lizard Ben cinematic universe. We're building it like an anthill, but it's going to be great. Yes. And you can also follow Ben on Twitter at Ben T. Travers. And you can file, wait, you can find, follow, you can file you can, Liz on Twitter at Lizlet. That's with an I and an E. That's correct. We'll be back next week. And you guys, in the meantime, keep watching television. 